0: Excited to start a uh, new series with you. We're going to be uh, studying the idea of discipleship, and we're going to spend uh, the next six weeks minus the the gospel meeting uh, sitting in this text and, and in Galatians chapter five uh, and Galatians chapter six. Uh, sometimes when you talk about discipleship and the disciplines of the Christian walk, sometimes those Discussions and those lessons turn into, well, you need to pray more and go to church more and study more and, and that's not a terribly helpful and encouraging thing. Those things are true, but one of the things I'm hoping to show you in this series is uh, those things are an outcome of the things we're going to talk about and not the focus that those things will happen Naturally, as we adopt the things that you see the Apostle Paul talking about, uh, in, in this section in, in Galatians chapter 5. But I think those things are important, but it is putting the cart before the horse of, of sorts. And, and sometimes when we're in Galatians 5, as was just read for us, it's easy to uh, jump right into maybe verse 22 and go into the fruit of the spirit or maybe jump right into to verse 20 or 19 and talk about the works of the flesh. But But that's also jumping too early. We need a little bit of moving into what the Apostle Paul is talking about. And I think in these first three verses from verse 16 to verse 18. It's where we're going to spend our time this morning. We're going to observe the Apostle Paul talking about a winnable war. Notice verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5. Where you see him say that I say walk by the Spirit And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And I hope that if there is anything that would be something not only just to slow down and think about, but just to be excited about, is notice that the Apostle Paul says, if you will walk in the spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And that's why I'm calling this lesson... A winnable war, because you notice that he says it's possible for us to not carry out the desires of the flesh. And I think that's important for us to be excited about, because sometimes when it comes to our sins and the things that we are captured by, we can sometimes feel like it is impossible I just can't stop. It seems like it has control over me. And no matter what I do, I keep falling back into the same sins, the same problems. And I hope that verse 16 just begins with that there is a path to freedom. There, there is a path. That is possible for us to not just say, well, there's nothing that I can do. Uh, it's completely impossible. And so I just have to give into these things. Instead, he gives us this great hope and says that if we would walk by the spirit, that we would then not gratify the desires of the flesh. But I want us to see a picture. There's two sides to this, then. <clears throat> you either are li- living by the spirit or you're carrying out the desires of the flesh. It's important to see that there's just two sides to this. You're either in one realm or you're in the other realm. You're living in one sphere of life or in the other sphere of life. You're either living and walking by the spirit or you're carrying out the desires of the flesh. So it's an important starting point to see what he gives. But before we move forward and see how he explains that, We still need to stop and just think about what he says here, because I think with the culture that we live in, it's easy to miss something very important for when he says, if you walk by the spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Then that tells us something, and that is just because you have a desire doesn't mean you're supposed to fulfill it you might say, well, that's obvious, but I don't think it is anymore. I don't think it is anymore. We live in a time right now that says, if you have a desire, you should do it. Whatever comes across your mind or whatever is in your heart or whatever you feel, you should do it. And I want us to see that God is saying right out of the gate, there are things that you will want to do. That you must not do. There are things you are going to want to do with great intensity. That you must not do. That's how God is starting this picture about this this war. This battle that is existing here. This picture that's given to us. And I think that is important for us to think about. There are things that you are going to want to do that you must not do. And if you take a step back and think about our world and our culture right now and where things are, this is one of the big problems is everybody does what comes into their head, whatever feels good and whatever seems right. And that's why we have a mess. Because there are things you may want to do that you're not supposed to do. There are things that come into our minds where I go, I would really like to do that, but I'm not supposed to do that. April told me of an amazing story a few weeks ago. She was at the gas station. I guess the car in front of this truck was not leaving fast enough from the gas station. And decided to push the car with his truck right on out of the way. Okay, I suppose all of us have had that thought. (laughs) But just because you want to do something doesn't mean you do it. And of course the police got involved. (laughs) Because you don't do things like that. But we live in a world like that. Well, that's what the news is about, where people kill somebody. Why? Well, they got mad at them. You are going to feel like doing things that you must not do. You are going to think about things that you must not do. You are going to have desires that you must not do. God is putting that straight forward. We have built a new cultural religion, and the religion is whatever you think, feel, or want, you do. And God says, no, you're going to have all kinds of feelings, all kinds of desires, all kinds of wants, all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of wishes. And that doesn't make it right. And it doesn't mean you do it right out of the gate. Verse 16, walk by the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. By the way, I would also add to this, friends, this is why you don't let your kids do what they want. Because you're teaching them, when they get older, I can do whatever I want, whatever I feel, whatever crosses my mind. And how it, as a parent, you got to go, no, I'm going to save your life. <laughs> you cannot live that way spiritually before God, nor in this society for very long, before you're going to have problems. We teach that. This is an important message. You don't do it just because you think it, because you feel it, because you want to. It doesn't work that way. And God is trying to communicate that very picture to us. This is an image of training in righteousness. Now notice what he says in verse 17 to help us understand what we're up against. In verse 17, he says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And I hope verse 17 feels very real to you. Have you ever felt like there is a war going on within yourself of the things that you think and want to do versus what you know you ought not do? Well, that's what he just said in verse 17. He said there in verse 17, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And these are contrary, opposed. They're against each other. The desires of the flesh and the desires of God and what he wants you to do are in conflict. They're in a battle. They're constantly opposing each other. And so I bring this up to show if you feel the conflict, that's right. You should feel that there is a battle, there is a war, there is a conflict that's going on within you. And that's right. That should be happening. And then he tells us that these two desires are absolutely incompatible. They're just two different realms. The desires of the flesh, everything that the desire of the flesh stands against what the spirit is, what God is. And the desires of the spirit and what God is about stands against what the desires of the flesh are about. And so our urges and our desires are warring against the will of what we know we ought to do because this is what God has called us to do. And so I want you to have just this image. It's important to see that we're in a war. You're dealing with a battle within. There is a battle within. And that conflict that you encounter, the conflict you feel, that warring between flesh and the will of God, does exist. There's nothing wrong with you. That should happen. That you have this battle that is going on. Now, one of the things that I think that we do that I think causes a problem in this is that we have the tendency to try to make these two desires work together. The desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit. And I will somehow try to make them compatible. I will make them coexist. I'm going to make them work together so that I can do what my flesh wants and still somehow be doing what God wants. We, we try to, to play that game. And I want us to see what the Apostle Paul is saying here is as much as we try to make these two things fit together and work together. He says those two desires can't exist together. They're not compatible. They don't go together. You can't do what you want and fulfill the desires of the flesh and be walking by the spirit. You can't. And you can't be walking by the spirit and doing the will of God and think you can still be compatible with all of these other desires of the flesh. There are not a lot of things in life where you go, they're mutually exclusive. That's a great accounting term, a logic term. This is one of those things. They are mutually exclusive. They do not coexist. They do not come together. It is one or the other desires of the spirit or the desires of the flesh. And that's the image that's given here. But what I would suggest to you what happens is we often try so hard to make these things compatible that we make ourselves miserable. I submit to you that this is what miserable Christianity is. <laughs> that if you are miserable in your walk with God, what ultimately I believe is happening is, is you want to gratify all the desires of the flesh while at the same time trying to follow all the desires of the spirit. And so here we are, we're trying to do right, but we feel miserable in the flesh because our flesh wants to do all these sinful things. And so we're unhappy, like I'm trying to do what's right, but my flesh is screaming at me to do all these sins. And so then we finally do the sin, and then what happens? What happens? Well, now I'm miserable because I'm guilty and I know I shouldn't have done that. And so we sit in this misery circle because we're trying to make them compatible. So we sit there and fight it, fight it, fight it. Oh, I know I And I finally give in. Now I'm miserable again until I find, okay, I'm going to do what's right this time. And then I'm sitting here in miserable misery because oh, I'm not going to do what's right. And then I go back to sin again. That's miserable Christians right there. The reason we can be miserable Christians is we're trying to merge two things that are mutually exclusive and cannot coexist. And as we try to make them come together, we're making a mess. We become unhappy and dissatisfied. and We have these kinds of problems as we as we deal with them. And so if your life is misery as a Christian, I would submit to you, you're probably trying to sit in the middle between these two spheres. You're trying to thread a needle of doing what you want, and still somehow trying to do what God wants. This is the picture that the Apostle Paul gave to the Ephesians. He said to the Ephesians, you were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupted and deluded by its lusts, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to clothe yourself with a new self, created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And I want you to notice that the Apostle Paul uses clothing imagery. You were taught to not keep both of these warring selves. Notice he doesn't say, all right, keep the old way of life and the old self and then try to put on the new life and the new self at the same time. You ever tried to wear two sets of clothes at once? You are know, like in the dressing room and you're like, okay, I'm going to try to just put this over my head. and It's not comfortable. <laughs> it is not right. It doesn't fit right. And, and so often that's what we're doing. Is I'm not going to get rid of the old self and the old clothes. I'm going to keep those near me. And I'm going to put the new clothes on and no one's going to see the old clothes underneath those new clothes. I'm going to keep those old clothes right there. I'm going to put the new ones on. and We can't figure out why it's so uncomfortable and unwieldy. Notice the picture he says. You've got to get rid of the old clothes. You put off the old self. You've got to take that off. And you're trying to put them together. Notice how that sentence began. You weren't taught that. You weren't taught to try to wear them both. You were taught to get rid of one and put on the other. You're going to be miserable trying to wear them both. You know, so often that, that is what we do. So we just put on righteous clothes over top our filthy clothes and remain miserable and nothing seems right. And so that's what Paul is expressing here in in verse 17. It is an important reality that he is giving to us is that we are either carrying out the desires of the spirit or we are carrying out the desires of the flesh. And the reason why these are incompatible is because one of them is controlling our decisions. Only one of them can be in control of how we make our decisions. We're either going to allow God to be in control of our decisions and the choices we make. Or we're going to allow our flesh, our desires, our wants, and our feelings to be in control of our decision making and our choices. And I want us to see that it's not the Apostle Paul telling us to just simply say no to sin and do what's right. It's not that. But that you're living in either one realm or the other. And you've got to get yourself in the realm of carrying out the desires of the spirit. It's not just simply, okay, I got to stop doing that. It's far bigger than that. And too often we try to boil down this battle into, I got to stop that and do that, okay. But that's not the idea. Notice he doesn't sit there and go, okay, stop this and do this. That's not even when he gets to the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit, he doesn't even say it there either. We'll talk about that soon enough. Instead, what he tells you is you're living in one realm or the other. You're either doing what the flesh says or you're doing what God says. And whichever is in control, that's what's ruling our lives. That's what's in charge. In fact, you'll notice that battle as he concludes it there at the end of verse 17 to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Here is God trying to put on the guardrails for us. The the flesh is yelling at you. It's screaming at you. It's telling you to do what you think, feel, and desire. And God is saying, the, the desires of the Spirit are trying to keep you from that. You're not supposed to be doing that. Yeah, so often that's what we do. So, how are we going to become free with all this? How, how do we find freedom? I think it is interesting to think about the concepts of being free from these sins. And sometimes, when we talk about the fight against sin and this concept of discipleship, I think sometimes we can make the mistake of thinking that the problem with the sins in my life come from outside of me. You know, it's all that worldly stuff. And if I could just get away from the worldly stuff and get away from certain people and get away from certain places and get away from all that, then I would be able to be victorious and no longer have a sin problem. I want you to think about how the scriptures never say the problem with sin is out there. And if you could just isolate yourself enough, you would be free from sin and free from the world and you would be just fine. Just, just you know, close yourself off. You know, go find a faraway mountain and go sit on top of it and don't let anybody ever talk to you and you will find a sin-free life. You notice that God never says isolation's gonna work. Why? Because if you read enough of the scriptures, you know the problem is always in you. The problem is, the problem is in you. You can't get away from you, as much as we try. You can't get away from you. The problem's inside of you. And that's what the scriptures are always trying to tell us. Listen to what James says. Each person is tempted and lured, is lured and enticed Not by everybody else's desires, yours. You're pulled by what's inside of you. That's why I always use the Brussels sprout illustration with you. You cannot tempt me to eat Brussels sprouts. I don't care what you do to it. I don't care how many you put. I don't care what you top it with. I don't care if you dunk it in chocolate. (laughs) Not tempted. Why am I not tempted? Because you didn't make it pretty? Oh, no, you made it all kinds of pretty. You probably made it the best Brussels sprouts you could ever make. And I don't want it. Because I don't have a desire for it. That's what James was talking about. The reason we sin is not because they make it so pretty. But because there's a desire inside. The problem is here. Isolation is not going to get you away from that. And so freedom is not isolation. And you never talk, have a picture of willpower. I'm just going to will my way through this. That's not going to win either. We've all tried that. Just going to will yourself out of this. That's not the solution God gives either. That is not the way for us to win. We are lured and we are enticed by our own desires. That is the ultimate issue. You can destroy all your tech, sell all your possessions, quit your jobs, sit on a hill, and you will still have sinful desires and still sin. It's not going to stop you, it's all inside. And so that's the picture that you see in verse 18. Now, if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Notice how that parallels verse 18. If you walk by the spirit, you will not gratify law. The desires of the flesh, the prior paragraph from verse 13 to 15 is all about a picture of freedom. Even back to verse one for freedom, Christ has set us free. Freedom is the imagery here. If you are led by the spirit, then that is going to be the way for freedom. And I think this gives us two important considerations. If we are going to be led by the spirit and be freed from these sinful desires, First, too often, I think we don't see, or maybe a better word will be admit. We don't see or we don't admit how we are enslaved to certain passions and desires. I think our first problem with getting to this freedom that God wants us to have so that we are not gratifying the desires of the flesh but are led by the Spirit is we just often will not admit these are problem areas. These are issues. These are situations in my life with my passions and my desires that are capturing my heart. I have spent... 25 years now that's crazy to think about i've spent about 25 years now as a minister i have countless times sat down to counsel people who are struggling with various sins who have been captured by all kinds of things, either whether it be affairs, adultery, sexual morality, pornography, anger, outbursts, destroying their family, all kinds of things. And I will ask them, why are you doing what you are doing? And you want to know what the most frequent answer I get is? I don't know. I don't know. Why do you keep doing that? You see it's destroying everything. I don't know. Why do you keep doing it over and over again? I don't know. And for the longest time, I looked at them and I thought, you're in denial. You're you're lying to me. You know the reason why. But now I'm kind of at the conclusion that I think that's truth. I think they legitimately don't know. Because what happens is we are so captured by our desires, we are so captured by these passions, these desires of the flesh and these vices and these wants, that the the, the body just screams to do it. The flesh is just yelling at you, you have to do this. And you become so... Captured by it and so repeatedly give into it that it just becomes mindless to the point that you believe you can't stop. I don't know why I do it. It's just the desires of the flesh keep pushing me and I keep doing it. I don't know why I yell at everybody. I don't know why I have an anger problem. I don't know why I have a sexual morality problem except that we've caved into these things so often that now it's just routine. And the body just is yelling at you to do it and you don't even know why anymore. And I hope that we will see that this slavery to the desires of the flesh, it's so subtle. Because what happens is we think if I just do that sin, it's just once. It's just once or twice. And you know what happens. Is once turns into a couple of times, to a few times, to multiple times, so you can't stop. And then you look back and you wish, I wish I'd never done it the first time because it would been a whole lot easier to avoid it. But now I feel like I can't stop. I'm enslaved. That's the imagery God's always using. You're enslaved slave to your own desires. Why are you doing what you're doing? I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm just allowing the flesh to win. I'm obeying desires. And so I want us to see the first picture is that God is calling us to freedom and we have to. Admit and accept that there are desires and passions within us that have enslaved us. And you're doing them. And you may not even know that you're doing them. And you're giving into to them because you're captured by them now. They have a hold on you. But I want you to then see the second picture is that, okay, then if the desires that we see that we have, that we are enslaved to these things, there is a way to be set free from these passions. There's a way to be set free. And to me, that's the hope of verse 16. It's the hope of verse 17 and the hope of verse 18. He keeps saying, this doesn't have to be the outcome. Notice the text does not say. So if you are gratifying the, the desires of the flesh, I guess you're stuck and you might as well just, you know, fold up the Apostle Paul's letter and put it away because you're doomed and you will never be able to stop or change or anything. Notice that's not what Paul says. Paul doesn't say, well, you know, once you get that deep, there's just no way out. Good luck to you. I'm so sorry. No, there's hope here. It doesn't have to be that way. There is a path to freedom. There is a way for this to stop. There is a way for the flesh to no longer blare within you the need to do whatever it is that it's screaming at you to do. There is a way. And notice the picture that's given to us is that the freedom is found in walking by the Spirit. Well, let me say that a different way. You are never going to be free... If you keep gratifying the desires of the flesh, you're not. This goes back to my miserable Christian analogy. What we do is we go, okay, I'm going to not do it this time. But we're still living here in this sphere of fulfilling the desires of the flesh. We're just, I'm not going to do that one thing, but I'm still doing what I want to do over here. You're not going to win. That one thing's going to come back. You have to get out of this realm. Get over into this realm. Walk by the Spirit. Follow the desires of the Spirit. That is the only path to freedom. If you want to be free, if you don't want to be captured by those sins anymore, you don't want to cave into them anymore, that's the path to freedom. But you know what Satan does? See, he's tricky. We know his schemes, but he keeps using them. He tells you your freedom is in the sins. You'll be happier. You'll be freer. You'll feel better. It's going to be so much better if you just do those things. And so we've all tried them. And we're not any happier. We're not any more satisfied. I think this is a good illustration of the idea We're captured by sin. Jesus says, I came to set you free. So here we are like a train that's been stuck in the train yard. And finally, we're pushed out onto the tracks and we get to go. And here we are going down the tracks. We're running. And Satan says, don't you want to go over there and see all that stuff over there and do all that over there? And we all go, yeah, I want to go over there. And so we completely derail, go crashing down the hillside because we're going to go over here and do all these things over here failing to see the freedom we're enjoying if we would just stay on the track and just go where God is taking us. But no, we, we see all these things over here and, and we try to jump the track and we can't figure out why it's a train wreck after we go over there. See, there's a, a path that God has put us on. Don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Don't live in that realm. It's not going to work. It's not the path of freedom. In our world and our temptation, Satan tells us. Freedom is outside of God. Freedom is in those sins. And I hope you'd use that analogy just to help you and see that's not where the freedom lies. That's not where hope is going to be for you. It's not going to be satisfying. It's going to be destructive. It's going to be painful. It's going to be guilty. So we'll be free if we will walk by the spirit and follow the desires of the spirit. So let's get to the takeaway. Takeaway number one. I want you to get from this. Now, I look forward to this series. Like I said, six lessons out of this section that are going to, I hope, help us in this pursuit. Number one believe it or not, this is a winnable war. Believe it or not, this is a winnable war, God says. You do not have to be enslaved you are not doomed to the flesh. It's not a hopeless situation. God has not made it miserable for us to follow Jesus and that he's put us on the track of impossibility. This is a winnable war. Moving those desires away from the flesh to the spirit will engage that. And so... As long as we keep trying to put on new clothes over the old clothes, instead of getting rid of those old clothes, we're going to stay enslaved. Second picture. A disciple of Jesus is someone who's going to war against the desires of the flesh. This is your other big takeaway of the lesson. I don't want you to be concerned if you have a conflict and you are warring and feel that pull between the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit. I want you to be concerned if you don't. I want you to be frightened when you don't. When you are just giving in and there's no more pull, there's no more battle, there's no conflict, that means we've become comfortable with our sins and we are no longer conflicted by them. That is the dangerous place to be. Be concerned when temptation comes and there's no fight at all, and you just go in. Be really concerned. There should be conflict for all of the sins that are going to be listed and then some beyond it. And the things like these, as Paul will say, there should be a battle going on inside before the engagement. There should be a conflict. And if there is not a conflict, be very concerned. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said to the Ephesians again. He says, they've become callous. Just stop and think about that. Did you know that could happen? You can say yes to sin so often, you won't care anymore. You will no longer be bothered. You will lose the conflict. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Essentially, you no longer care about the ways of God. You may feign it, but there's no battle inside. You're callous. You're insensitive, doesn't care. Nope, doesn't bother me. Those sins don't even move the needle anymore. That is when you should be scared. I want you to see the grave spiritual danger you are in. If you do not feel the conflict, because you are so deeply enslaved to your sins, you don't even see the chains anymore. I want you to see him. I want you to see where you sit. But yet again, when the Apostle Paul writes this in Ephesians 4.19, he doesn't say, and if your heart is callous and you've given yourselves over to sensuality, greedy to every kind of practice and impurity, it's too late for you. It's never God's answer. It's not too late. It's not too late at all. Rather, soften your heart. Give yourself to the desires of the spirit. Say no to the desires of the flesh. Begin listening to the conflict and choosing the right way to go. And that'll be that start point you need to soften the heart and to begin to win the war. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father. Lord, we want to just praise you that you have the power over our sins and that you have the power over our desires and over our flesh. Lord, it can feel like our sins have captured us to such a degree that there is no way out, that we do not know why we do what we do and do not feel like there is a path to freedom or victory. And God, I pray that you would impress upon each of us that not only this war is winnable, but that your power has the ability to give us the freedom we need. Lord, give us the courage and the strength to say no to the desires of the flesh. Remind us in the times of temptation, Lord, that there are desires that we are not supposed to do. Help us to be strong enough to say no and give us the courage to seek you in those difficult times. Lord, we, rep- we pray that you would renew our hearts, that you'd strengthen our faith. Help us to see the sins that we are enslaved to and help us to soften our hearts to be more in tune to you so that we can experience the freedom that's found in Only in you. Help us to do it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing an invitation song, and we're inviting you to come to Jesus. And as we think about these steps to freedom, I hope you'll think about this first one, about being enslaved to sin. Freedoms only in Jesus Christ, that you would turn away from your sins realize the need to say no to sin, to say no to those desires, saying no to self, and that saying yes to God is your path to freedom. That's your hope. That's your goal. That's your direction. Don't be a train careening off the tracks. but Rather, be on the path that God wants you to have so that you can enjoy eternity with him. Can we help you in any way do that? You can let us know where you can come forward while we stand and while we sing.